Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Hello, and welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast. Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler, today to talk about, here today, to talk about the Paul Williams story, which is season five, episode nine, that aired November 7th, 1974. I don't believe it is available streaming anywhere, so we had to watch it off the DVD. Um, When I look online, I find that I don't think a lot of people like this episode based on what I see (laughs) and what I read. Uh, but before we talk about it, um, and before we give well, you to talk about the writers, um, I think over the course of this podcast, we found a few instances where Odd Couple is still impacting current pop culture. We had, if you remember, the promo a few weeks ago for CBS's The Neighborhood. Yes. yes. So we have an interesting variation of the same uh, use of the Odd Couple. So do you are you familiar with the show Billions? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I watched the first season. Oh, okay. So we're on season six, which, and I'm still enjoying it. Yes. (laughs) Um, Well, I was going to try to catch up, but I don't know. uh, So uh, in the episode that aired this past Sunday, or uh, sorry, the the episode that aired, I don't know when you're listening to this, the episode that aired recently, um, uh, Paul Giamatti's father, the character of Paul Giamatti's character's father, uh, has been thrown out of his apartment by his wife because mm. she thinks he is cheating on her. Now, he is, in fact, not cheating on her, but he goes to live with Paul Giamatti, uh-huh. and Paul Giamatti's character and him have a discussion about what happens next. So let's listen to that. I'm thinking of acting on our kinship, of consummating it. She's gay. Dad? No. What happens when this fling ends like all the others? And you've bulldozed your second home in as many years. It's not like I haven't thought this through. There is a plan B. And of course, that means that he is going to live with his son. So I just thought that was really great to see that as a part of the Billions uh, episode. That's really wild that because I rem- what I remember from the other clip you played from the neighborhood yep is there also the whole gag was just was the music yes that's right pretty much i think there they had the narration too the kind yeah of the yes but it's so, clear yeah but that that's that is the show the show is 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 most associated the way to evoke the show the series is by that theme yes so that is like that's the maybe the most iconic thing about the series yes yeah. the theme but you couldn't have two different shows yeah. use it. You have mm. a CBS sitcom that is appealing to an African-American audience <laughs> in a promo. And now you have a yeah. very white cable premium drama. Yeah. Use it in a just very subtle, subtle-ish way inside the show. 
Yeah, yeah. And you just have to, like, if you don't know what that music is, you don't, you don't get, get the joke. It, right. But all, they're right. assuming that people mm. get that. This show well, does they're... throw in a lot of pop culture. Like, this show has gotten very heavy on very obscure pop culture references in the last couple of years. Um, this obviously wouldn't be obscure, but still. To some people, it is. Yeah, I just thought the fact that that happened while we're doing this was yeah. really interesting. Well, you know, hey, maybe it's not a coincidence. I mean, why are more people thinking about the odd couple? It's right. It's because of our podcast. It's a good point. I, I, I'm sure cultural references to it have, if you did the Google on it, you might see since summer of 2020, maybe an increase. That's a good point. Uh, okay, so you want to talk about the writer of this episode? Uh, just briefly, because it is once again, Mr. Rick Middleman, a name I have said and maybe even mispronounced uh, several times, and uh, but who had a great career that I just talked about uh, not too long ago. And uh, he wrote, I believe this, yes, this is the final of uh, six episodes that he wrote for the series going back to um the his first one being the uh roger doctor episode back any, in season two any chance you uh looked at the 25th anniversary book about how this whole paul williams yes yes i and in fact i'm glad you reminded me because in fact i did and uh, i found out something very interesting this doesn't and it, and it does relate maybe it might relate to the writer uh that what um, Mark Rothman revealed was that this was conceived of as that Paul Williams was not the original idea for the guest star. This was conceived of as a vehicle for John Denver. Oh, okay. Who one could, seems to me it was probably a little more popular. Oh, now the glider <laughs> thing makes sense. Oh, that's interesting. And Because you remember he died in a glider. Well, John Denver didn't die. He died? John Denver died in a plane crash. He had when? his own... This was, um, I'm going to say, ten years ago. He had his. He built. He built. He was building a plane, yeah. and he died in 1997. God, that oh, is 25. Wow. Is that 25 right. years ago? Why did I think he was still alive? I don't know. Paul Williams, is, Paul Williams is Paul Williams is still alive. alive. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. So his death is attributed to. Died when his light home-built aircraft uh, crashed into Monterey Bay. Wow! So I, I, I this... the whole pre- I guess the whole pre- Well, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but the I guess the premise of the kind of how all this comes together has to do with well, yeah, Oscar I mean, we'll, we'll get to it, right? Yeah. The, the significance of of gliding versus skydiving yes which is probably yeah yeah right um but, but keep going that's interesting i didn't know that this, yeah the reason yeah. I th- that what that made me think about in terms of the writer's involvement is that this is the, not the kind of show that comes together because rick middleman you know uh work working uh hollywood uh, tv writer doesn't just pitch to gary marshall i'm gonna write an episode just for paul williams to be on the odd couple uh so obviously the idea comes from uh the showrunners or the producers or the network to put X star on the show. And then they have to come up with this commission, a script that puts them on the show. And so Rick Middleman, who has been a regular writer all through the series is the guy they went to, to put together a script for the guest star. And I, I, it, it occurred to me that they could, he, he probably wrote a script for John Denver 
And once I started thinking about how, uh, in many ways, John Denver was a bigger celebrity at the time than Paul Williams, that it made more sense. And that's the kind of change they could easily make. Once they can't use John Denver, they just substitute Paul Williams in that. But the script by then is already, Rick Middleman's job is done. And probably Gary Marshall and uh, the other head writers are just, you know, uh, continue revising it for that. But Did they... what, what you say, the whole flying, <laughs> the whole flying element here, when you get to it is going to be very revealing about this. Did it, did, did the book cover anything about why, what, why John Denver no, no. passed? And that would be, I, I'm curious if there are any John Denver experts out there who know what John Denver was up to in 1974. Uh, maybe he was onto bigger things. Uh, well, interesting enough that you mentioned John Denver uh, for some reason, I, Oh God was on uh, some mm -hmm. cable network recently and i i've been reading a somehow it came up in something i was reading i was like i haven't seen that movie in so long so i actually watched it that was a few years after this episode um but i just i hadn't thought about or seen anything with don denver john denver in a long time and now he's come up twice okay so that's the that's the basic backstory there's no other insights from the book about this episode not, how it came together i'm sure not in the book no i'm okay. sure there's a story there so we open on Oscar uh, sitting in the living room, reading a newspaper. He's smoking a cigar. Felix comes out from the hallway, spraying room spray. He has a disgusted look on his face. He sprays all over the room, and he's especially spraying into the area where Oscar's smoke is. Oscar gets up and starts smoking his cigar into that same area, and Felix keeps spraying. It's a battle of the gases, smoke and spray. It's a funny, thank you. It's a funny visual. Oscar finally yells, will you stop with the terrible air freshener? Felix gives one quick spray in, in Oscar's face and says, it's not air freshener, it's disinfectant. Oscar says, no wonder it smells like the inside of an ambulance here. Felix says, put that cigar out, please. Oscar says, no, I like it. Felix says, may I remind you, we have a guest in the house. Oscar's smoking his cigar, and now he blows into Felix's face. And Felix says, my little daughter Edna is in the other room with the sniffles. Oscar says, cigar smoke doesn't bother sniffles. Felix says, Oscar, please, it's not nice for a little girl with a cold to have to breathe cheap cigar smoke. Put it out. Oscar says, no. Felix yells, give it to me, which scares Oscar enough to actually hand him the cigar. Felix sprays the cigar lit end with the deodorant, which the audience applauds at and is a funny visual. Felix says, you notice that Ed and I are getting along a little better now. <clears throat> and Oscar says, yeah, that's terrific. What I found interesting here was they were really mad at each other. And then as soon as they start talking about Edna, Oscar <laughs> yeah. goes, yeah, that's terrific. And everything yeah. back to normal. Yeah, kind of a forced transition there. Yeah. Or it's just the nature of the relationship where they're always arguing, but they're really always friends and they get yeah. past it. And so I can't tell if it's <laughs> if that's good in the show, a change or just kind of you're saying forced change. Felix says, well, until her mother comes back from Bermuda, I think I found the key. You know what the secret is for getting along with kids today? What the Beatles said, let them be, let them be. Did you find it weird he said her mother instead of Gloria? Yeah, uh, I didn't notice it at the time, but now that you mention it, yes. Although it, it's a different tone. It, it well, implies do, uh, kind of more tension between him and Gloria. Do you do that as a parent? Do you ever Well, I am not divorced. No, I know. Uh, but do you ever refer yes. to your daughter's, to uh, your wife as her mother for any reason? Has that I ever might, happened? We, well, we parents often talk to their child and say, your no. mother said this. Would but, you ever say to me, 
about your daughter or her mother is going to come mother, pick her out later. Only if I were trying to be ironic or sly or something. Okay. You, so you think having the divorce thing is the I think it, it implies attention. I see. Okay. But probably, you know what? But, but that's overthinking it. Like it doesn't, there's nothing in the line that implies that, but, uh, but I guess Felix, you know, uh, always has a little tension with her. Felix says, I'm going to hey, make by her. By the way, Ted, yes. I don't know if you know this, but the yeah. uh, Beatles song in question is actually called Let It Be. Right. Well, he's doing a riff of it. Yes. <laughs> or is the joke that he doesn't, he, of course, Felix doesn't know anything. Oh, about I never thought role, about that. So. I just assumed he was kind of like <laughs> being inspired by the song yeah. and not using it literally. Um, Felix says, I'm going to uh, make some tea. And then he starts to take the cigar and throw it out. But Oscar says, let's let the cigar be. I'm going to save it. Felix mm-hmm. says, it's got disinfectant on it. Oscar says, I'll smoke it at night. It'll keep the bugs away. <laughs> so now out comes from the living room, into the living room, Edna, who's again played by Donnie, Donnie Oatman, who we last saw in the Odd Father um, mm-hmm. episode where she goes to the take the photographs with him with the little people family. Yes. Yeah. You know, by the way, I, you're reminding me about that episode, something I didn't appreciate at the time, because we know how so many of the episodes are titled The Odd This, The Odd That, we just had The Odd Candidate. And at the time, I just assumed The Odd Father was another one of these kind of lame, uh, generic titles. But actually, the way you just said it, it's The, odd, it's the Godfather. Oh, yes. It's a play on The Godfather, right. which was a, a still sort of current film at that time. Uh, and okay yeah i didn't even think about that you're right that probably is the case um she says edna says i'm going to get the concert tickets daddy oscar says concert hey classical huh felix says classical she's going to a paul williams concert have you heard him he sings not bad it's all in english what do you mean by that well well i think that's a put down because the opera is in italian and that's that's the sign of of well i guess that could be something but also someone like felix would always probably look down on pop music as uh kind of illiterate right or not or can't understand the the singers and so maybe it's a compliment that um, so it's interesting i i when i saw that scene i went back and forth in my head and i watched it a couple times i believe it is an insult because it is not sophisticated like opera in italian i understand what you're saying but when i listened the way he said it a few times I think it's not mm-hmm. like at least it's as English as opposed to yes. Ozzy Osbourne or someone who oh, you can barely understand okay. that. That's what you I think. think that's what I don't think that's, I think it's supposed to be a put down. <clears throat> um, uh, Edna says he wrote, he's, she's talking to Oscar and she says he wrote great songs. Like we've only just begun you and me against the world and rainy days and Monday. Oscar says, I know who Paula Williams is. Eska's <clears throat> Eska. Edna says, all right, I'll see you in the morning, Daddy. And that leads to our first clip. You'll see me in the morning. How's that? Well, some friends and I are going to stand in line overnight to make sure we get seats. Overnight? On the sidewalk? Sure, it's fun. No, 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 I don't think that's fun. No. Oh, come on, Daddy. Don't be silly. Even if you didn't have a cold, I wouldn't let you stay overnight on the sidewalk. But, Daddy... You will not go! Yes, I will! You will not! What happened? Let him be! Let him Go to your room! <laughs> what happened to let him be? You can't let them be all the time. What do the Beatles know? 
To be a good parent, you must be authoritative. The child must know who's boss. They respect that. Edna, don't be mad at me. <laughs> Come on, I'll buy you something. So after the credits, this obviously goes into the opening credits. We're back in the living room. Oscar's oiling a baseball mitt. Uh, Felix says, my daughter hates me. Oscar says, she's only been here a short time. Think of how I feel about you. Felix says, don't try to cheer me up. This is serious, which is also an indication that, <laughs> that when they fight, it's not serious because. Right. Oh, good point. Yeah. Uh, I know why she wants to stand in line all night. She's crazy in love with that Paul Williams. Oscar says, better him than Alice Cooper. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> nice yeah. topical. Reference there. Felix says, a little girl stand, she'll get pneumonia. Am I wrong? Tell me the truth. Oscar says, Felix, sit down. All right, sit down. Will you promise if I tell you something, you won't go overboard? Please promise. All right. Now, don't jump. Please don't jump. I think I can get you tickets to Paul Williams. And that will lead into another then, clip. Yes. That, uh, uh, and of course, Felix is jumping. Well, in this <laughs> clip, we'll hear Oscar refer to the fact that Felix does start oh, okay. to jump. Yeah. You'll make me a hero for life. She'll love me. I, how can you do that? Well, a year ago, I did an interview with Paul Williams about gliding. Gliding? Yeah. He does that? Yeah, he gets in a plane with no motor. A plane with a motor takes him up, lets him go, and then he glides. Goes up without a motor? Yeah. Why would a man do a thing like that? <laughs> Why would a man shampoo a rug three times a week? <laughs> because you... Never mind, never mind. If you do this for me, I'll... Anything, anything. I'll cook anything you want for a month. Cream chip beef on a donut? Yeah, with raisins in it? <laughs> All right, now, but remember, please, I said it's a small chance. He's a big singing star. I'm not sure. Edna, Edna, we've got tickets to the Paul Williams concert. Yippee! So a couple of things about that clip. Uh, in Meet Their Host, Oscar complained when Felix made cream chip beef on toast because all veterans ah, hate it. Remember right. that? Yes, I do. Now he wants it in a donut. I guess well, one could. Go. Yeah, I, I mean, guess they could argue that the donut <laughs> the is donut the difference. Yeah. Um, and when 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 Oscar says that line, Felix makes a, a grimace of disgust. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, the last dialogue when Felix says Edna Edna and she says Yippee, it's clearly dubbed over. Oh right. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Paul, our guest star before we go any further. He was born, Paul Williams, <clears throat> singer, songwriter, actor, still with us, was born in 1940. He started as a songwriter. One of his first songs, Fill Your Heart, was covered by Tiny Tim on the B side of Tiptoe Through the Tulips, which wow. I did not know. It was also covered by David Bowie. He signed with AMN Records. Those are Rec two very different uh, musicians there. He signed with AMN Records. AM Records was paired with another songwriter named Roger Nicholas, and they wrote an old fashioned love song for Three Day Night, You and Me Against the World for Helen Reddy, and Rainy Day Mondays. Two, two of those songs appear in this episode. Uh, Rainy Day Mondays, I Won't Last a Day Without You, and We've Only Just Begun for the Carpenters. In 1974, he starred and wrote the movie Phantom of the Paradise, directed by Brian De Palma which was kind of a funky Phantom of the Opera movie. It was a dud of the box office, but didn't get nominated uh, for an Oscar for its music. He wrote music for the 1976 version of A Star is Born. Uh, he also wrote all the songs, apparently, for Ishtar, 
that was sung in that song. I did not know that. And that's hilarious because the songs from Ishtar, the, the, the ones that uh, Dustin Hoffman and Warren Beatty do in their terrible act, their de- deliberately bad musical act are hilarious. And so that's really great that he was able to write like these kind of parody bad songs. It's Warren Beatty, right? Not Beatty. Uh, let's call the whole thing off. Uh, he, I know him from um, in the Wild Wild West reunion movie in 1979. He played the villain who was the son of the Michael Dunn character, Miguel Loveless. And in the oh, that is the most obscure thing I've ever heard. Well, you're familiar with the Wild Wild West, the TV show, Robert Conrad. Uh, yeah, vaguely, right. Okay, not well, to they, be confused with the Wild Wild West movie franchise from. Well, no, there's no. Well, it's not a franchise. There was an attempt to do a movie version of the TV show with Will Smith, right? But it bombed. It was right. not a good movie. Yes, uh, that was based on the TV show with Walt Martin, Robert Conrad. Anyway, they did a movie. He played the villain. Um, and if you look in, he's got a website and does all, I think he still does. Um, yeah, he's, he must be 81 or so. No, or I think he's. Uh, he said he's born 1940. Oh, I guess I don't need to look that up, right? <laughs> yes. As long as you're correct about that, um, which means he was 35, 34 at the time of this episode. Um, now, Ted, uh, you something you left out in that. Uh, yeah, he's 81. Uh, you're right. Something you left out in that. In that. Uh, Resume? resume of his um you may know him most as this supporting player in the wild wild west reunion show and from this episode but uh, but other child children of the 70s like me remember him from two big movies the yeah. muppet movie oh yes i didn't cover the muppet movie i forgot for which he wrote the yes. rainbow connection yes yeah yep. and bugsy malone the the kid, the the kid gangster movie, the that gangster movie. movie made. You don't remember Bugs Bunny? No. It, it, okay, this is talk about like a cult film today. Uh, it was. Uh, I I think that was it was it would have been shortly after this odd couple. I think it was more like yeah seventy six or seventy seven. Um, it was uh, a gangster film cast with all child actors, including a very young Jodie Foster, uh, and who and they had Tommy guns that shot whipped cream at each other <laughs> and it was a musical with songs by paul williams uh somehow that completely escaped me also i will confess i am not a muppets fan oh i oh, did watch so them so there goes the muppet show podcast idea. that was not happening i did watch the muppets as a child i remember i loved the judges waldorf yes they're not yeah. judges they're just two grumpy men okay uh, but I'm not. I'm not a Muppets fan in my adulthood, okay. and therefore I think when I saw it in the credits, although I did write it down, it didn't click. So I'm glad you. Well, the main up. significance I think is Rainbow Connection, which was a big song. Which of course I also don't know, but I'm so glad you are filling in. <laughs> I'm glad you're filling in the Paul Williams holes because uh, uh, it's a great score to the Muppet the Muppet movie for the Muppet movie Muppet um, movie, yeah. And um, he also did a lot of, I, yeah, I looked up to him a little too for this and, and he did a lot of stuff with Jim Henson. So uh, uh, other projects as well that people can look into. And as we alluded to earlier, he was not into gliding planes, but he was and is, was into skydiving. So at least there's some sort of like. Right. So connection. this is wild because 
so yes, it's totally believable now to me that uh, that the original script was written for John Denver with the hang gliding thing because he was not hang, not hang gliding. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, glider, glider, yeah, glider planes because he did he built his own planes for that. Um, and what are the odds that they find another folksy singer who does something crazy in the air? Yeah, who's kind of short. <laughs> yes. Uh, so now, but but as we'll see, they stick with the gliding, not the skydiving. I think because yeah, some of the jokes and the script uh, structure kind of revolve around the gliding. Yeah, I don't know. Now, uh, two more things on, on related to this. Um, you know what? As you go in through Paul Williams' credits, one of the things I'm not hearing is like superstar performer like live performer. He's a guy who started off as a songwriter, who really had his core as a songwriter and started off writing for other performers and then eventually performed more himself. But I don't get the impression he had some, like some super concert career. No, I was looking for that in the... In the like I, as John Denver did. John Denver was a, was a superstar performer of some kind. I mean, he must... I mean, um, probably must have been some sort of... Uh, he must. I mean, I, I'm sure he performed all over the country a lot at this time, but it didn't come up in the research as like, yeah, yeah the thing he was right. most known for. Which now the reason I raise that is that like the whole premise that Edna is infatuated with this music star makes more sense to me for John Denver, who was a more visible stage performer. And I'm not sure how she would know who Paul Williams is. It's like oh. it doesn't seem that Paul Williams had these groupies. Maybe the radio or the albums or like the songs. Teen Beat magazine. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that. he'd be in Teen Beat magazine is my point. Oh, maybe. <laughs> um, so now I'm thinking more and more the whole premise is much more geared to uh, John Denver. My other uh, uh, skeptical response uh, is to something Oscar says about the idea that Oscar has a connect, new, met Paul Williams because he was doing a story about gliding. Now, I know as a sports writer, you have to cover several different beats, but well, last Oscar, Oscar la Madison having to write about gliding for the New York Herald. Well, really. the last week we had him write about the subways. Also, we heard that. Well, for, I guess that's true. I guess he can write an editorial. Of, I'm about, sorry, he wrote about the playgrounds. That's what playgrounds, I meant. Right. Yeah. Right. So, well, and okay, the subway. Yeah. Well, and yeah. he wrote it. Right. Well, he, I guess yeah. he writes the occasional column. That's just. But, uh, no, I agree with you. It's a little. I. I. I, it's a stretch to get Oscar and John Denver slash Paul Williams together in sports. It is something I almost brought up last week, but didn't. To find the, the sports connection. They are using Oscar's writing a little. Now, not that he can't branch out, because I think there are sports writers who have gone on to other things. But uh, he, they are using the idea that he has his column to right. have him write about multiple things that are not really related to sports. Maybe that's legitimate. Or but not real sports. Right. All right. So the next scene, uh, what we'll hear John, not, not John Denver, <laughs> you've gotten me off that. We'll hear Paul Williams singing and we'll see uh, a video footage of or film footage of a glider flying in the while the while he's singing. That's what's that's what the visual is while we hear him singing uh, in this next clip. Against the 
Here's the stamp I wanted to show you. It's from Brazil. Did Look, Uncle Oscar say when he'd be home? No, sweetheart. Well, he called before. Why didn't you ask him if he had the tickets? Because he couldn't talk. He'd been gliding with Paul Williams and he was in no condition for a conversation. Why not? He was crying. <laughs> Look, sweetheart. Look. He's home! Oh, Mr. Unger. Yeah. I'm Paul Williams. Yeah. How was the gliding? Uh, we ran into a little turbulence. Put over the trees! You're all right! You're all right! I prayed, Felix, and my prayers were answered. Felix, I promised God tomorrow we'd move down to the ground floor. <laughs> Mr. Williams, I want you to meet my daughter, Edna. She's dying to meet you. How do you do? I think she's in awe of you. It's my curse. Come in. Would you like a piece of fruit? No, thank you. I'm really in a hurry. I wanted to uh, to bring Oscar home and give you the tickets for the oh, concert. Oh, oh, thank you. How very nice. Yeah. Edna, it was nice talking to you. <laughs> Wouldn't you like to have dinner with us? How long you got to be in town? You look as if you could enjoy a good meal. <laughs> well, thank you, but uh, after the show tonight, I go to Albany for Albany. the weekend. A little club up there that I play where I got my start, you know, oh. so I go back. Isn't that nice? Loyalty. I like that. Would you like to go instead of me? <laughs> Just kidding. Thank you. Thank you. So the old man's not such a party pooper, huh? Oh. You feel warm? No, so I feel great. No, no, you've got a bit of fever, huh? No, you? really, I'm fine. Yes, come on, we'll take your no, temperature. No, Daddy, really, come I'm on. fine. Come on. How do you feel? Oh, I'm great now. Yea, though I walk through the... Um, I want to go back a moment because there's something I forgot uh, earlier when Oscar says, why would a man wash the carpet three days a week? Mm-hmm. That's just what's one of the lines I remember <laughs> from the show that I, I think about and kind of use in a different way in my real life. But I would never be able to remember it came from this episode. Yeah, right. It, but it, the way to remember that is that I think what's really funny about that line is it's a, it's a comparison response to hang gliding or gliding. Right. <laughs> yeah yeah it's like equally strange uh so in this scene when oscar screams look out for the tree he is scared by the very large plant that which, we which is a kind of the... dumb homer simpson thing but it's yeah. the way jack luckman does it it's, it's really very funny. funny um when paul williams is in the apartment edna just stares at him with mouth agape and that's why paul williams says, nice talking to you or speaking with you um, at the end, Oscar comes out into the living room reading from a Bible, and it's a very good reveal. The way it's staged, his right. body is like turned towards the back of the turns the hallway, so we don't see what he's carrying until he turns around yeah. and and says that line. Um, so that's a good that's a good introduction, and it's a little forced way to have Oscar meet with with uh, Paul Millions and know him. But yet, I don't know. I'm as a, someone who's obviously enjoys being critical of this show because i love it so much um it doesn't bother me that it's mm-hmm. it's a little it's a little clunky it's okay because of, they make a lot of comedy out of oscar yes yes being scared to yeah. Death and there's a, a yeah there's a lot of funny moments in it that work uh so i'm going to move on unless you have something you want to say about that scene 
anything. Okay. So the next scene, Felix is taking Edna's temperature. He's holding a wrist. Also, is that to take her pulse? What is that? I didn't understand that. Is that what you do? I'm not a doctor. But you have a child. Have you ever? <laughs> uh, maybe I sh- maybe I should be doing that. <laughs> I don't know if that's a thing that I that was like a y- uh, 70s or old wives tale way to, to me- measure a child's illness. Um, he looks at the thermometer, says, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. And it says, take it again. Felix says, I'm sorry, honey. I've taken it four times. It's still 102. And it says, I've got to go to the concert. Felix says, you can't go, darling. I'm sorry. And it says, you're such a bummer. Felix says, is that a nice way to talk to your father? Come on, cover up. What's a bummer? <laughs> uh, and it says, a person who never likes to have any fun. Uh, so we're going to play our next clip from there. Fun. Me not like to have fun. Me? I'm the king of fun. <laughs> Sit down here. Sit down. You can put your feet up because you're sick. You can cover up, and we'll have our own fun here at home. We'll have a rock concert right here. We'll rock with opera. La Traviata. Oh, dynamite. You know what La Traviata means in Italian? means the troubled girl, and that's what you are because you're sick, but you're going to get better. Now, this girl in the opera really has trouble because she has consumption. You know why? Because she didn't keep covered up when she had a bag. Anyway, she's a very lovely person, but she's not quite the kind of person I'd like you to know because she is a member of the demi-mondaine. She is a... She's a lady of the evening. You mean a hooker, Daddy? You learn talk like that. From your opera stories. I gotta go to that concert. I just gotta go to that concert. Tell me the truth. Am I a bad parent? What should I do? Tell me the rest of that dirty opera story. Well, that was a great game. We'll be back with the start of our second game, Alabama Navy, right after this message from our sponsor. Oscar? Yeah, look at this. Look at that. Today, it's 99. Isn't that great? You see, I was right not to let her go to that concert last night. Edna, soon you'll be normal. With you and the father, she'll never be normal. (laughs) (laughs) That's cute, coming from a non-parent. Look, I've got to cover a wedding. Take care of her, will you? Mm -hmm. Just see that she's okay. Don't let her go out. That's the main thing. Okay. Honey, I'm leaving now. This is the bummer saying goodbye. You heard what I told you, huh? Okay. So when Felix says he's the king of fun, Oscar gives this incredulous look. Yes. Um, so after Felix leaves... Which is a joke they've done before, some variation of before, yes. where Felix says, I'm the life of the party. Or, you know. uh, after Felix leaves, Oscar calls 52nd Street Irwin to place a bet on the Navy Alabama. I thought it was. And I heard Irwin, right. He says Irwin. So I, I, I don't remember where we know his name is 52nd Street Irwin, but that's the name I always associate. Episode, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the spread is three points, according to Irwin. So, he takes, so Oscar takes Navy and three points. He tells Irwin they can't lose. Oscar starts to watch the game. He's eating a large sandwich. The announcer points out there's a commotion on the field that's bad for Navy fans. The quarterback has been bitten by the mascot, and he's out of the game. This draws Oscar's attention into the TV set, and we see Edna walk behind him, drop a note on the cough, and leave. I think she has a suitcase in her hand, maybe. Uh Drop a note on the couch. I just said cough because I typed <laughs> cough. Did you? I did. I in my notes. I misspelled couch as cough, and I said cough. 
I'm drops sure a it was autocorrect. He I'm drops sure a note on the couch and leaves. Oscar does not notice any of this. He puts down his sandwich. He calls Irwin back. Uh, and the announcer says that for the mascot fans, the mascot is fine. Oscar says, yeah, I'd like to see a goat throw a forward pass. Irwin's line is busy and Oscar's upset. In his very upset state, he picks up the note and the dropped and he uses it as a napkin to wipe his mouth because he doesn't know what it is. He then reads the note. He flips it over a few times. He shouts for Edna and the scene ends. In the next scene, Felix comes home. Oscar hands him the note and we get what I think is the best joke of the whole episode. And one of the, I think, more memorable jokes of the whole show, which uh, I can't tell if it's like an old school like, is this novel? Well, let's play it first. Let's but, play it first. When, when yeah. Felix reads the note. Yeah. yeah. Edna? I'm home, honey. Guess who is home? We're still pals. How is she? Well, you know, I'm leaving. I can't take it anymore. I can't stand being treated like a child. Oh, Oscar, we've been through this a thousand times. Turn it over. I'm going to follow Paul Williams. Goodbye, Edna. I'm sorry, Felix. Well, say something, will you? Will you scream? Will you holler? Will you hit me here? Poor bear on me, catch up anything. Don't be silly. I'm not going to be crazy. I'm not going to be dumb. No time for recriminations. It's a time to think. Other parents have had to live with the pain of a child running away. Now I have to live with that pain. What am I going to do? I have to go to Albany. That's the thing to do. And you're going with me. Of course. Thanks for being so nice about it, Felix. But first, I'll pour a beer. I can't do it. I can't. Well, oh, you should because I deserve it. I'll do it to myself. Look at that. So is that that joke where Felix reads a note and thinks Oscar, is that something novel? Was that something like the odd couple first did? Or is that something that's been around uh, a long time? I, yeah. No, I, I get the feeling. I mean, yes, I, it is a, a type of joke that I've seen many times and I did, they did not invent. Uh, it's hard to classify it, but it's basically a switcheroo, right? It's uh, um, uh, uh, that the expectations. Are, it's I mean, it's it's working on many levels, which is why it's funny because it's not the uh, the reaction you expect Felix to have, and the thought of Oscar writing such a note is itself hilarious. Um, so I don't want to overexplain it, but it is a an irresistible opportunity that someone or Gary Marshall must have sensed to do that joke. And it's great. Now, it's funny, like you, I did not remember, remember that one, that line specifically. So when that came out of nowhere, I just, that was my biggest laugh definitely in this episode of was not expecting that. So it's great when you're not expecting it. And then there's another, we've had this before when Felix gets serious about his kids, we've had, Un- uncomfortable laughter from the audience when he yeah, said, "Right, yeah." When uh, uh, when uh, other people have experienced the pain of children running away, now I have to. There's, there's a titter in the audience. <laughs> I, exactly, like he said. What was the other episode where yeah he was like talking about uh, that my son uh, like uh, there's 
they're taking my son away from me. Or something. something like, yeah, it was yeah. something serious. And there's that... someone in the audience going, yeah. right. <laughs> Felix, he's yeah. crazy. So I think some people in the audience just like get so, because Tony Randall is just so funny all the time. They're just used to laughing at him and Felix being a kind of foolish figure. And so they just, some people just habitually just keep assuming everything he's going to say and do is funny, which is unfortunate. Uh, you know, the other, oh, the other part of that joke that works with the note, I love Oscar's reaction when Felix comes in and says, how is she? As if to say like, well, you know, she's okay. She ran away, but <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's it is, it's very funny. Um, so after the commercial, we see a bus driving along along a road by kind of a upstate area, kind of a scenic looking area, the lake or a river next to it. Uh, and we hear Paul Williams again singing "You and Me." For the, the record, world. Albany is like a close to a two hour drive from New York City. Oh, I thought it was longer than that. It's only two hours. Oh, maybe three. Oh, you're right. I think it is longer. Yeah. Uh, they get on a bus, I guess. That's why we see a right. bus. Is that yep. what we're supposed to assume? Yep. Um, then we see a rustic-looking kind of motel hotel. Inside, we and see... these are the kind of gigs that Paul Williams is playing. See? Well, he said, "I go back here is where I started." He said, "This is." I mean, they they explain this well enough to like. Yes, they do. Yeah. Uh, then we see a very fake-looking sign that says paul williams um uh we see a sorry we see a, a photograph of him on this big sign he's dressed up in a, like a brown three-piece suit he's got a hat on he's got sunglasses on sunglasses and it says now appearing lim limited engagement do drop in so i guess that's where he got to start but the sign looks like it came right out of the paramount prop shop it is not big <laughs> at all then we see Paul singing on stage, and that leads to uh, this next. By the way, we yes. should also point out here, uh, they they commit Paramount committed to the music. Uh, yeah, I that. guess you have to. There's how do you? Well, that would be episode? that would be really it'd be like ten minutes long. Yeah, <laughs> and <laughs> would make no sense. Well, we fee we've we, I think we've determined uh, unless we're completely naive or it's got completely nothing to do with the way we're thinking about it that when they have to they will pony up the money but if it's for a one minute or 30 second scene they will not okay so here's uh here's the next here's the scene in the hotel Tippy toe room. Are you here? I'm here. 
I'm being as quiet as I can be. Let me guess, you're looking for a table. Greg, can we have a little light for these elderly gentlemen? I've got to get them to a table. Don't be ashamed. Buy him a cup of Sanka. On me. I gotta tell you, I don't do Melancholy Baby until the second show. I know these guys. It's just an old-fashioned love song playing on the radio. And wrapped around the music is the sound of someone promising they'll never go on. Edna! I'm sorry. It's very good. You relax. We'll look for it. We've come to know. You'll swear you've heard it before. It slowly rambles on and on. Don't need it for ringing them back because they've never really gone. It's just an old-fashioned love song. Coming down in three-part harmony. It's just an old-fashioned love song When I'm sure they're both for you and me It's just an old-fashioned love song Coming down in three-part harmony It's just an old-fashioned love song When I'm sure they're both for you and me That waitress. Wow. What's the matter with you? That's Edna. Yes. Edna? Daddy! Oh, Edna. Oh, my little girl, a waitress. Look at all that paint on you. Can I borrow this, please? Daddy! Oh, please stop making a scene! I'm not making a scene! Will you sit down, please? I want to know what's going on! Something. I order you to come home. I'm sorry, we're all out of that. I will not have my daughter be a waitress in a motel. You're embarrassing me. Would you please take a walk? Let me talk to her. Please calm down. Go ahead. She's underage. Right, will you? Yeah. Sit down. Here. Yeah. Honey, I, I gotta tell you the truth here. I'm kind of like your father. I'm surprised. You always seem so sensible. I'm still sensible. You go running away like this, sensible? It seems pretty crazy to me. Unless, honey, you got some plan. I have a plan to follow Paul Williams. Why? You figure maybe someday you'll get to marry him or something? No. What do you think or you feel you're in love with him? No. Then, see, I don't understand. You see, that's just it. Neither does my father. But Paul Williams understands me. Did you talk to him? Did he tell you this? No. I can tell by his songs. He, he sings the things that I feel. Vivian, no mixing. They want you in the kitchen. I really have to get back to work now, Uncle Oscar. Okay. Well, what did she say? I don't understand. You don't understand her either? No, that's what she said. I don't understand her. You don't understand her. Only Paul Williams understands her. Only Paul Williams understands her. Where was Paul Williams when she had the mumps? Where was Paul Williams when she had the measles? 
mean I should talk to Paul Williams? I think so, buddy. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir, you can't go back. I've got to see Paul Williams. I'm sorry. I've got to see Paul Williams or I'll die. It's always a matter of life and death with you groupies. <laughs> He's resting backstage. We're friends of his. I know, everybody says that. Can you take him a note, please? A quarter? <laughs> what is this, your allowance? Um, a couple of things, a lot of things about that scene. First of all, the the way all those girls screamed when Paul Williams got up indicates he could be in Tiger Beat or Teen Beat. Um, well, in the fictional world of the show, yes. Oh, okay. So Edna's dressed up in a very traditional maid's outfit. She's wearing a lot of lipstick. Not had necessarily she... what a wait you think a waitress in a in a club like this would be but so how'd she get there how'd she get a job so fast why is she using a fake name vivian mm. why there's no papers they don't ask about anything about who she is <laughs> hey it's albany man it's it's a wild west out there could she just go see the show why is she working <laughs> well there? she it's... needs money to support herself if she's going i mean she's uh i don't know how much time is supposed to have passed between uh, wouldn't it be the same like the next first of all he can't be at this inn very long and right. i assume felix wants to go right away and she, yes, right. she left a few hours ago i'm presuming so she's, yeah she came up with this all fast yeah. so the whole the whole premise that whole premise is silly yeah. uh oscar saying wow about edna is super creepy <laughs> yes uh, uh eddie garrett is the guy guarding the door and this yes i think his, his moment biggest, has arrived i think this is his biggest part of the entire series yeah. uh and he does it pretty well which makes you wonder why he didn't get more speaking lines exactly he's clearly not just an extra he is an actor and um i gotta say this is for me the joke I remember most from this episode, and one one of my all time favorite odd couple lines. I gotta see Paul Williams or I'll die. <laughs> Always life and death with you groupies, <laughs> and calling Felix a group, calling Felix an Oscar groupies. I like when um, he says a quarter. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he tries to bribe them, right? To yeah. Them out. Yeah. Um, so I, it's it's a great Eddie Garrett. It's it's it, it's a great scene. And yeah. So. I'm glad they were they finally gave him his due in season five. You do wonder why Paul Williams wouldn't come out when he realizes yeah, he knows right. who Oscar and Felix are. He well, here's what's but, weird in the clip that you played that if you didn't if you don't remember how the visual, but it's like Felix and Oscar are wandering into the club while Paul Williams is singing, and they end up on stage somehow because it's I guess a very cluttered kind of informal club, and he sees he's joking about these two old men. And he makes a bunch of jokes of, uh, about how old they are, that they need Sanka. And I looked up Melancholy Baby, by the way. It's a song from 1912. Um, and But then finally, in a line that may be dubbed over, he just says something like, I think I know those guys. <laughs> so, a, it, actually, I don't think it's dubbed over. Oh, I think okay. he does actually. Right. There is some so there's kind of something confusing going on there where he it, it's not clear whether he knows that Felix and Oscar are there or not. Feels like he should know that they're there, but they want to pretend that he doesn't. It's dark and they can't see. Well, them. he just flew with Oscar like a day ago or two yeah. days ago, so yeah. he should definitely know Oscar. Yeah. So the hotel clerk who calls Edna Vivian is William O'Connell. This is his second of two odd couples. The first was season one's A Taste of Money, with the, with the one where the 
stupid Philip kid gets two thousand dollars <laughs> and he steals yeah. it from the Collier brothers clones. He's the bank, uh, one of the bank people, Mister Skyler. When they uh, think that Philip robbed the bank, yeah. Right. It's very odd that he's here. It feels like there's a bigger <laughs> part of him cut out because why? He's doing this do, one line. Yeah. One line, yeah. Um, and the whole Vivian thing is just weird. Uh, but we'll just give him his due because we didn't talk about him before. He was in Peter Gunn, Twilight Zone, The Munsters, Batman, Lucy Show, Star Trek, Mission Impossible, Green Acres, Love American Style, and Quincy. Quincy, Dude. ding! Usually, we should, at, a little, we should have a little bell for every time we find an actor in Quincy. Who he usually played a clerk or an office manager, but he was in multiple Clint Eastwood movies, and he may be best known as Elmo, who was one of the gangsters in the Clint Eastwood movies, Every Which Way But Loose, and the sequel, Any Which Way You Can. Do you remember those with the, no. where he had the orangutan and he would go around? Oh, yes, yes, yeah. the orangutan. Uh, so now the next scene, Felix and Oscar are waiting in the hotel lobby. Oscar's reading some sort of magazine or pamphlet called Opportunity. And the pages, they don't seem to have words on them. They look like they're tables of numbers. Seems like a really lame prop. Really weird <laughs> prop. Uh, Felix is standing and says he's not going to come out. They never do. Too busy with their fast women and their fancy hair dryers. <laughs> Oscar says, Felix, will you relax? It's only been 10 minutes. Felix says, this is my daughter. Oscar says, I know, but sit down, try to relax. Now he sits down on the arm of the same chair Oscar's sitting in. Oscar says, what are you doing? Felix says, you told me to sit down. Oscar says, why don't you sit over there? Felix says, I'd be lonely over there. This is a chair for two. I'm very grateful that you came along with me. I don't have to tell you I was getting a little bit hysterical. Oscar says, yeah, it was hard not to notice. The way you kept trying to grab the wheel, blow the horn. Felix says, and the bus driver kept yelling at me, sit down, sit down. Now, the audience laughs very hard at that joke. Mm -hmm. But I don't think they saw the bus footage right. ahead of time. Right. So for, for me as a viewer, it wasn't a funny joke because I already mm -hmm. knew he was on a bus. So I think the audience thinks he's driving, they're driving a car. Oh. And, and the reveal is they're driving, they're in a I bus. See. But oh. we know they're on a bus because we right. saw that. Yeah. So that's why I was like, why? That's not, that. that's not very funny. Um, so, so the cutaway of the bus kind of ruins the joke. It does, yes. Uh, now, Paul Williams comes out. He has Felix's note in his hand. He says, Felix, Oscar. And they have trouble getting out of the chair because now they're both sitting in it. And, you know, it, there's not enough room for the both to stand up. It's a funny so gag. Yeah. It's, a, it's a visual gag. Uh, Felix says, Paul says, I thought that was you. Uh, no, F F Felix says, I told you he'd come, which if, to Felix, to Oscar once they right. see, which of course is the opposite of what he was saying a few minutes ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, Felix says, you saw my note. Paul Williams says, oh, it's beautiful. You must really love your daughter. Felix says, will you talk to her? And Paul Williams says, Felix, I can't talk to her. That would be lecturing. I'm a singer, not a talker. And now we'll play the final uh, final scenes of the show. Okay. Oh, big deal. Mr. Golden Record Teenage I at least. Now that's there. not fair, Felix. I don't have to be fair. I'm a crazy person. Felix, relax. Why don't you give me just a minute alone with her inside? I might be able to help. Freely, trust me. You're not a crazy person either. You're a nice man. Drag her home. That's right. Come on now. Give him a shot, all right? I'm gonna get a cigar. Oh. 
Don't ever have children. Edna, sit down a minute, would you? I just finished a new song. I'd kind of like to get your opinion of it. Mine? Yeah, sit down. Sit down, sit down. Fella gave me a note. I read it. It, it kind of inspired me. I, it said what I, I think I'd want to say to my daughter, you know, if I ever have one, you know. And even though I'm not around to pick you up the times you're down, you know I think about you each and every day. And though I feel a love for you that's always growing, always new, the things I'm quick to feel, I'm sometimes slow to say. So I lay awake and worry, are you hungry, are you warm? Why, there's nothing in this world too good for you. And then I turn around and make a list of things that you can't have. I only hope my good intentions still show through. You know the ones who love you expect the most from you. Once I held a perfect baby, you slept soundly in my arms. Now a woman is awakening in you. And I'll probably be jealous when your first love rolls around. I guess that calls for extra understanding too. We'll order up a cup of tolerance for two. You know the ones who love you expect the most from you. You like it? It was really nice. You know who wrote that? Your father wrote that. Daddy? I swear. I swear. The, the words are, are changed around a little bit. The feelings, there he is. Oscar, buy your short beard. Did you really write that? I didn't write the music, but... words. I never heard you talk like that before. I never said those things before. Sometimes it's very hard to say things. I know, it's hard for me too. How'd the wedding go the other day? When you've seen one Polish wedding, you've seen them all. <laughs> Remember when I was little and you used to take me on your jobs? It was the most fun I ever had. Me too. Do you have a job tomorrow? No. Oh. Well, that's okay. We can do something else. You're getting so big. That's because I'm standing on the stage. <laughs> You look so cute in this uniform. <laughs> you know, when you set a table, never put your fingers on the inside of a glass. <laughs> I love you too. Goodbye, sweetheart. 
You know, something good came out of all this. Edna and I are closer together than we ever were before. I'll tell you something. I owe it all to you. Oh, I know, I really do. You're a wonderful friend, Oscar. I just hope you know that if the situation were reversed, I'd do the same for you. Just like that Paul Williams song. It's you and me against the world. Sometimes it feels it's you and me against the world. I'm betting on the world. Uh, so <clears throat> I think that song, as far as my research said, was an original mm-hmm. song written for this episode. By Paul Williams. By Paul Williams. Uh, yeah, this is confirmed in the uh, 25th anniversary uh, guide uh, that uh, he uh, it was one of the things that the writers, producers most appreciate is that he made a real effort to write up what is a very nice song. I don't think it became anything after that, although right. I, I could have. Uh, are we supposed to believe, though, in the show that is that a song that he had been writing like <laughs> and just used it now? Or are we supposed to believe he came up with that on the spot? Well, he says, Ted, he says that felix wrote it i know right so i are we supposed to take that literally or is he or is he in Um, the in the show could he have been writing this song and he realizes that he has this song he's been working on that fits uh, in with no i I don't think that theory makes it as nice a moment as it is i think it is so he came up with that on the spot i think as magical and as uh, unbelievable as it seems that is what makes it a dramatically moving moment is that he, and also just to showcase how talented he is Okay, that he can uh, do that. But it's hard to imagine Felix's note saying like any yes. of the poetic <laughs> things because he's sitting there writing on a very small piece of paper. Yeah. We saw him write it. And the note was, <laughs> I thought the note would say, Paul Williams, I, you have my daughter, please come see me. <laughs> yeah. Like it seems. Give me back my daughter. So um yeah, so I, I, let's just say Paul Williams being very kind to saying I mixed, you know, I mixed up the words a bit. But that's why are, I thought that maybe this was a song he had right. been working on and then said, oh, I realize well, I have this song and I can adapt it and say it's Felix yeah. Rode. Well, again, it, like that reasoning would not be very uh, moving or impressive. But it'd be more logical. <laughs> it would be more realistic. Uh, that's but, what I mean. When uh, Felix says don't have any children, he's talking to a moose head on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edna certainly gave up the Paul Williams <laughs> passion really quickly. Maybe the fact that Paul Williams wrote a song for her and talked, you know, basically for her Maybe. and talked to her was like enough to like say, okay, I've I've gotten as close as I'm going to get and, and I'm going to move on. Maybe now. she thought secretly, like, wow, this guy sucks. I don't know. <laughs> why am I following it? I don't think it's it. Now, I no. didn't understand why. Maybe she really believes what Paul Williams says that Felix wrote the song and therefore like, oh, my dad is a, is a great songwriter. I'll follow him. Right. There's many ways to try to rationalize that, but uh, it's one of these like very quick magical moments, like the puppies in the subway from last oh, week has no. to happen in order to turn people. No, around. no. There's uh, there are a thousand ways to do that, <laughs> and this ends where we're back to normal reality. We're and it's back in everyone's life. Yeah, right. The puppy thing was stupid. Yeah. I don't understand why the audience laughed at the, if you've seen one Polish wedding, you've seen them all. I don't Well, get I think, it. yeah, you know, it's, it's really a lame joke and it's, it's, a, it's a great example of like, he was just making fun last week about Polish, Polish jokes. I mean, it's not, it's not the Polish stupid kind of joke, uh, but it's like that the feeling that the word Polish is just going to immediately, that's the joke. That's it's it. Like, that's it. That's the joke. Like, he could have said, you've seen one, you've seen one wedding, you've seen them all. It's not a joke. 
you've seen when Polish wedding, you've seen them all. That's apparently what makes it funny. I, I can't explain it much more than that, other than Felix is obviously clearly, Felix Unger, as opposed to Tony Randall, is very clearly like very waspy, apparently, and very white and very out of place in a Polish wedding, in some kind of ethnic wedding. So that's, um, I guess, kind of supposed to be the idea. But at this point, I think the audience is, it, it's been a very dramatic scene and a very, and a very sad song. So they're, well, they're ready to laugh at anything, I think, that comes across as a joke. Did you notice Paul asked, in order to get Oscar out of the room so that Felix, yeah. and, Paul asked Oscar if he can buy him a short beer? Yes, I did. And I was wondering what he meant by that. So I looked this up. Uh, apparently, it, the, the, the description I saw was that in New York City, in this era, it was the ability to buy a smaller portion of beer at a smaller price. Mm-hmm. Although you would think someone with Paul Williams money could just buy Oscar <laughs> yeah, a regular I beer. I don't know how I'd feel someone offered me to buy only a short beer. Right. Um, now, not to be confused with small beer. What's that? Which is a totally different expression, which you would think would mean the same thing. But ironically, small beer was an old... Uh, I mean, these days it's an expression. Well, it, it was an old thing, the way people drank beer in times of scarcity, kind of where you watered it down and you had a bigger portion. So small beer was kind of like a bigger glass, a bigger mug of where you made the beer go longer. Kind of you could uh, what do you, make it last you know, longer. It's like World War II? Like why was there scarcity well, beer? Prohibition? It, it dates, but this dates back to like the Middle Ages, you know. Oh. Of just, you know, when you couldn't, brew enough and you're serving large quantities in uh, in taverns or something uh so it, the phrase small beer has come to be uh, uh proverbial for uh, anything that's like weakened or watered down i see a okay. cheap imitation of the real thing but yeah not the same thing as uh, short beer you know what else is uh funny pauline says in that scene is that he called you notice he calls her edna yes i did i figured that's because Felix has said now you have my daughter Edna's oh, yeah, here right. and the whole thing with Vivian is just I feel like there's something that was supposed to be bigger about the Vivian stuff that just got cut <laughs> maybe yeah right right because uh, all one minute you know she's pretending to be Vivian on sort of undercover and hiding and then her dad is there and it's not clear whether she's met Paul Williams yet you know at the club and now Paul is saying hey Edna so yeah, the whole feels yeah. like some they're skipping some steps. Uh, so I, this episode of me is okay. There's some like a couple really funny moments that have nothing to do with the premise, but you know, putting him in it is is a bit clunky. Um, you know, it it could be worse. As I said earlier, I think it's okay that you know how Felix or Oscar knows him and Paul and the fact that Edna likes him, I guess, is of the time. Uh, it's just the whole thing's clunky. There's a lot of singing, which I just uh, serious singing and serious. What's so funny? <laughs> you, that is something you do not like. I don't. I don't watch the show to watch. Right. You know. You know. Uh, Happy and Peppy and Bursting Love is is organic, great, yes. odd couple singing. Right. Having Paul Williams sing. I mean, if you're a fan of Paul Williams, I guess it's nice the same thing. But I, it's like I feel like it's wasting six minutes of a or yeah, wasting sure the whole do. episode. They, they, you get a lot of him singing. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I do like the Felix and Edna relationship. I feel like that is, and, you know, Edna refers to going on jobs with Felix, which is something we saw the last time she was on the show. So 
I like the, there's some great gags. I like the Felix Edna stuff, but the Paul Williams stuff just kind of drags it down for me. So I give it three uh, out of five Murray's. Um, I agree mostly, I guess, you know, I, first of all, I enjoyed this a lot more than I thought I would. I remember like, this is one of those that like, as you said, like if you poll odd couple fans in general, we, we don't have good memories of this episode. We don't associate this as the, one of the better ones. Usually guest star episodes are always suspect. Right. Uh, and it's certainly been a long time since I, I watched it, but uh, I surprised me how much I enjoyed it, that the funny lines, the funny jokes in this really are funny, as we've said, there's some great zingers. And uh, I think what redeemed, what I like, what makes it a little more uh, palatable for me than for you is that Paul Williams himself turns out, I think, to be a very engaging character in this. There's something about him, he's very quirky, he's very kind of a very appealing nice guy it has a very and a very very specific idiosyncratic uh, singing style that i kind of like um i think the song he wrote for the show is is really nice um and works in that moment and it does feel like given what could have what is in sense a clunky guest star insert inserting a guest star into the odd couple ends up working because of the way it's written. And maybe this goes back to Rick Middleman's original draft for John Denver, where in a way that song he sings to Edna is the climax, already been the climax of the episode that he would communicate to her in the song what Felix could not say. And that becomes the, the climax of the dramatic climax of the episode in a way that I think works very well. So uh, I'd give it three and a half, Murray's. But Murray, by the way, not in this episode. No, nor Miriam. None of the regulars, no. Yep. Uh, all right. Well, if you have any feedback or, or uh, comments or criticisms or uh, insights that we didn't have, please feel free to email us at 1049pod at gmail.com. Uh, or, and if you can leave a review for us on uh, iTunes, that would also be appreciated. Uh, Garrett, you're such a bummer. That's it, Ted. Only short beer for you from now on.